Hello, 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 everybody. Welcome to Fireside 5. I am Steve Horney of Integrated Health Sciences. I am joined here today with David Tao. David, how you doing? I'm, I'm actually doing pretty darn well today, Steve. I appreciate you asking. Thursday is like my favorite day of the week because we're, we're almost there, man. We're almost to the weekend. We've almost made it. Almost I think made we it. Get there. Yeah, it's been a scorcher of a week for everyone who's not living in New York City, but we are getting there. It's going to calm down. And it's been a little bit back to somewhat of a state of normalcy for some people in New York. Just to give like a timestamp on this, people are starting to get to go back. Traffic is up into the city. Subway ridership is up in the city. So it's just a little bit of a walk back towards what it used to be. So David is on the show today, and I want to give my version of your story, and then I'd like to give you to give your version <laughs> of your story. So I came across your magazine, Barben, which I'm very fond of, due to an encounter on a subway. I was reading a book, studying for a certification, and a young man walked up to me, and he's like, don't worry, you're going to do okay. And I was like, cool. I think because I had glasses on, I looked studious, because I appeared to be somewhat physically fit. I was getting the A-OK, -okay, and that ended up being one of your writers who then introduced me to you. And we've had a nice collaborative relationship, which is, I think, exactly how it's supposed to work in these relationships. Like, I looked at your website, was like, OK, they have similar values to mine. I think you've viewed some of our stuff and realized, oh, OK, this is kind of where fitness is morphing into and we've done some good things together. I know that the business is growing. I hope that you are going to share about it and tell us all of it. But right now, David, give us your story and tell us everything, spare no detail. That, that's fantastic, Stephen. I actually, I think I knew that story about how you and Barbend first crossed paths, but I kind of forgotten it. It's because it's one of those things where you remember back to it and you're like, wait, did that really happen? Is that like really a New York subway story, really? Uh, just because I haven't been on the subway in four months. That's probably the, that's probably the reason. Uh, well, thank you for that, and it's a, it's a pleasure to be here. I'm super honored to be on the show, and you, that's pretty. You pretty much have it have it down pat. I'm one of the founders of a, a digital. Uh, we started off as like an online magazine blog. We've since grown to be a multimedia brand uh, for strength sports news analysis, strength training. We started just we started as a website in 2016 that really just covered like weightlifting, CrossFit, powerlifting news. Now we cover all that, and we also have. Um, opinion, interviews, podcasts, videos, uh, training tips and advice, nutritional tips and advice, guides, product reviews, you name it. Um, we really are kind of a, a broader multimedia brand, but still focusing on the strength sports community and on strength training. So um, maybe not necessarily just for those hardcore strength training athletes. We love, we love them, but also for people who might be just starting off their strength training journeys and want to move better, want to live healthier lives. So Barben started in early 2016. And it was kind of a, a passion project I'd had in the back of my mind for a while. And I, I was a, a consultant for a number of years working with brands in the fitness industry, and outside the fitness industry on their content. So I was traveling around a lot, consulting for brands that wanted to start, you know, fitness verticals or do stuff in the fitness industry. And uh, Barbend was founded when I came across some business partners, my co-founders, who asked me, they already had some existing brands they were working on. They were like, hey, join us and maybe we can start something new together. Do you have any ideas? And I was like, I do. And I'm actually looking for something to kind of settle back down in New York and kind of focus back in. I was just tired of the traveling and bouncing around. I wanted to like build something from the ground up. And that's how Barbin came about. And we were able to uh, bootstrap for a while and then we raised a round of funding. And then um, we were able to hire some fantastic people. We have a team of about 
uh, about 10 right now. And uh, that's changing a little bit. We're actively hiring. So as of July 2020, which is a cool position to be in. And yeah, we feel super fortunate. The past four years have been a bit of a whirlwind, a little bit over four years. And I think that we're really just getting started because Barbend was something where, um, you know, we, we were working on a few projects. Me and my co-founders actually had a few different brands that were involved with a few different brands. And Barbend is finally the thing we are focusing on exclusively now as of 2020. And so we've seen really immense growth in 2020. And I think we're just starting to scratch the surface and we think this can be a lot bigger, like the biggest thing, the biggest content producer in strength training and strength sports. I think that's really where we're, we're headed, but we still have a lot of work cut out for us. And um, in, in the publishing industry, there's absolutely no thing as an overnight success. Um, and if there is, it not anymore. You know, it, These days you gotta work for every viewer and every reader and deservedly so. So yeah, that's kind of the story of Barbend. Four years old, but I feel like we're still very young, if that makes sense. Yeah, I would agree. I think that it's, I think you're in a good position. I think that right now we're seeing, obviously, and I'm going to take you through the, my whole thought process, process on it, but like COVID-19, brick and mortar gyms are going to change and we're going to cover yeah. that. But that doesn't mean that fitness is going to go away. Mm -hmm. And if anything, this virus has shown us how important having a healthy lifestyle is and you cannot divorce strength from health now i'm not saying that every human needs to go learn olympic lifting but you cannot divorce strength from health and that is what i think that we're going to see is in an interesting way you may be uniquely positioned better than most and when i say most i mean almost maybe better than anyone else to fill that role that is going to need to be filled because it, it we are, it's now turning into a matter of life and death. Like everyone needs to kind of touch the fire, but we as a community, we as the United States, we as the world to somewhat extent have now touched the flame and now it's come home. And I think you're in a really good position to, to share quality information on that. Well, I'm really lucky too. I, I don't want to undersell Barbend and what our team has accomplished because I say that we still feel very young and, and we do, but you know, our team has really accomplished a lot, which gives me a lot of pride because uh, we're the official media partner of USA Weightlifting and have been since 2017 um, in, in really kind of a first of its kind partnership in many ways. We are, uh, this is kind of something that's, that's relatively new, but it's official and we're going to actually put, be putting out the press release a couple days after this recording, we are an official media provider of World Para Powerlifting now, which is the official governing body for Paralympic powerlifting. Um, and that is just one thing that we're really excited about to help showcase diversity in strength for athletes of all abilities, backgrounds, athletes with disabilities, uh, as well as able-bodied athletes. So, you know, I think that Barbed, not only are we covering what, what's popular in strength right now, but I think we can actually broaden the focus of what people see in the strength sports community by the content we produce and who we partner with because um little little teaser you know we're on track july 2020 is on track to be our best month ever as far as viewership and i'm talking international viewership we have a global audience of you know between uh i don't want to give an exact number until the month's out but call it between five and ten million uh visitors on the site that's a very i know it's a very broad range but i, I hate to give exact yeah, numbers before the month is out because you can have just a giant day at the end of the month or a crappy day at the end of the month and so for us that's um that's been a, a really big focus and we realized that we 
capture so many eyeballs and so many sets of ears that what we cover, and we try to be objective, obviously, we consider mm -hmm. ourselves a journal, a journalistic outlet, but what we cover and what we miss, uh, for better or for worse, can have an impact on how people view the strength community. So moving forward, I think this year, this summer's been a shift from, okay, let's cover what's popular in strength to, okay, what do we have an obligation to cover as far as what's actually happening in strength and who's doing cool things? And that's a diverse array of people, of backgrounds. It's not just 32-year-old powerlifters from the East Coast of the United States. You know what I mean? There's a broad range of people doing amazing things through, through strength athletics and strength training. And how can we bring that to the mainstream? Yeah, and that's where it's been nice. I think because it's just, it might be the tip of the faucet that people get their information from, and it might be through strength, but your sleep matters for your strength. Your stress levels matter for your strength. Your breathing matters for your strength. Your connection to yourself and to the community, like our eight foundations of health are what everyone is starting to cover now more and more because that myopic, like looking at, and, and I, I almost relate everything back to physical therapy, but like the old school, like looking at a shoulder, like it's just a shoulder, that physical therapy has really gone to the side, almost a way that like a bench press is the way that you just need to like do it more and harder. Then physical therapists started to look at the rest of the body. Okay, maybe the ribs play something into it. Maybe the middle back plays something into it. Maybe the shoulder blade plays something into it. Cool, like that's kind of what you're starting to see as far as like more strength coverage is that there's other things that factor into it, your HRV, et cetera, stuff like that. But now I think the, the really the tip of the spear physical therapists are really looking at like, well, what does your global inflammation look like? If you have a tendonitis, maybe it wouldn't be so inflamed if your microbiome was a little bit better. Like, mm -hmm. can we talk about digestion? Can we talk about diet? Like, can we talk about your hydration and realize that we're not just these individual little things and groups of joints and ranges of motion and strengths we are living, breathing, interconnected, integrated human beings. And whether it's bench press, deadlift, and squat, or whether it's trying to reach up into the cupboard, it, it all matters. So have you seen that shift happening too? Well, geez, Steve, it's almost like integrated is an important word in what you, in what you do. Crazy, right? Uh, no, I have seen, I have seen, uh, I have seen that. And I think that that plays out in two realms. It plays out in how people are consuming content. It plays out in the, let's talk about, let's talk about cash, baby. It, play, it plays out in how, what people are spending their money on. And I think that COVID-19 has given us an, ex, an interesting um, example because it used to be that people could, would go spend money and time in, in a brick and mortar gym, or at least that was our perception. That was the perception of a lot of people. First off, I actually think it's an incorrect perception. I think a lot more people are spending money, their dollars, their purchasing power, and also consuming content on wellness that might not be based in a brick and mortar gym. It might be buying that that equipment for their home. It might be buying, you know, it, uh, getting the Peloton or the mirror or the tonal or the tempo or whatever it is. And I think that there was already a trend toward that, toward people bringing wellness into their homes and making it something that is in 
their living space and in their daily life practice, not just something they do for one hour a day in a different location. They go to the gym and they leave their health there and they cut and then they leave the gym and like they're not concerned about it anymore. I think it was making inroads into our daily lives and the way we live over the course of 24 hours before COVID-19. I think the fact that people don't have access to the gyms as much these days makes it such that we're not compartmentalizing as much. And I think that's, I don't know if, I'm not going to say that's a good thing, right? Like I think that this has been a very challenging time for many areas in these slices of the fitness industry. I don't want to say that's like a good thing, but I think it has accelerated the move to, okay, how do we think of wellness in the landscape of 24 hours in a day, not just the 45 minutes or one hour where we're in a group fitness class. Yeah, I do think that that the uh, compartmentalizing that people have always done is like, I go to the gym on the way to work, Monday, Wednesday, Friday. And now that everything like every day is blurs day. I don't know what day it is. It's just like, so it does shift things, but yeah, it, it gets interwoven, which I think long-term, I think you're right, is going to be perhaps a, a better, uh, a better fit for people. So I'll ask you the first question then, have we seen the end of brick and mortar gyms? I, I don't think we've seen the end of brick and mortar gyms. I think we may be seeing the beginning of the end of of uh, of an old of a gym model that i think is antiquated okay so I, I don't think gyms are going away i think we will have gyms because i think that people still like to train with specialized equipment i can't wait to get back to a gym i like i am not i am i've kind of passed my days of like trying to deadlift 600 pounds and things like that but at the same time i still want to pick up a barbell you know, I still want to I still want to lift somewhat heavy for my ability these days, right? I still want to do a barbell snatch, even if I'm never probably going to set a lifetime PR in that again. Let's 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 be honest. Um, I'm a lot lighter than I used to be. I'm thankful for it. So I don't think we've seen the end of that, and I don't think we've seen the end of uh, boutique fitness, and I don't think we've seen the end of people who see fitness classes as a hobby and who are taking different fitness classes every week. I think we might be seeing the beginning of the end of the gym model where gyms rely on people not coming to the gym in order to make money. Mm. So the movie Dodgeball kind of popularized the term Globo Gym. And I don't want to say that every Globo Gym, not every big box gym has this business model, right? There are a lot of big big box franchise gyms that do amazing things, right? Like I'm not going to name names, but there are some franchise gyms that you'll find in every major city that I walk into and I'm like, this is great. <clears throat> people like, this is a franchise. They, they have dozens of locations, but they're still fantastic and they're doing good things. There are also some franchises that probably rely a lot more on people signing up and forgetting they're a member or not being able to end their membership. And that's kind of like where their revenue comes from. And a lot of those people are like, oh, I'll go to the gym, I'll get to the gym, and they haven't really gotten to the gym. And I think this is kind of the beginning of the end for that business model because now people are like, well, I'm definitely not going to the gym. So I'm definitely going to cancel this gym subscription that I, or gym membership that I haven't used in four months, right? I'm not gonna go tomorrow. It's not, I'm not gonna wake up Monday morning and change my life, uh, at least not by going there. So I think that model was kind of already on its way out in my opinion, and I think this is probably the beginning of the end for it. And I think, I mean, you've seen a lot of gyms really struggle already. Gold's Gym has filed for bankruptcy. I'm not saying Gold's Gym was necessarily based on that model. I actually think Gold's Gym has a storied history. The glory days of bodybuilding, like you walk into a lot of Gold's gyms and it's an amazing place, right? But at the same time, that is a storied gym franchise that is struggling. So these major, major, major gym chains, I, I think you're gonna have a hard time. Um, whereas I, I do think we're gonna see the survival of a lot of smaller independent chains or smaller independently owned facilities.
Yeah, and I I look at it a couple of different ways. Is I I know that there's a lot of people that view their gym as their connection to community. Like that's yep. one of our eight foundations of health is connection to self, community, and to nature. And that connection to community is something that a lot of people, especially as they get older, end up having challenges with. Um, it just naturally sometimes occurs that people end up a little more isolated a little bit later on in life. And that gym can do a really good job of filling that role. My fear, and I don't have an answer nor a prediction for this, but I know that that exists. And I also know that people as they get older are more susceptible to having trouble mm. with COVID-19. And that's actually where my mind goes, maybe just from as a compassionate human or whatever, but like, that's almost where I think, and, and, and I hope that a solution ends up occurring that the people that rely on it for community, who also happen to be the people that would be most susceptible, end up being sure that they can find a way that they're comfortable and still get that itch scratched. The only thing that might end up happening, and this is, and I don't see this as a bad thing, but if there ends up being outdoor community physical fitness that's built into each town, I would love to see some more like a European model in South America on our medical mission, like right across from the hospital is an outdoor gym. And it's like, that would be really nice. Do you think that that might end up being a reality in some ways, in some places? I hope so. And I want to make clear, I'm not saying that this is, I don't want to imply this is good for the fitness industry. I think that a challenge like this is going to accelerate certain changes that were already coming. I'm not gonna go in and say COVID-19 is good for anything, right? It's a global travesty. But I do think it's accelerating certain trends that maybe sure. we're already moving toward. Um, and I do worry about the sense of community because interconnected community digitally is possible. You and I are connecting remotely right now. It's awesome. At the same time, you and I have met in person before. We've hung out in person before. We might not be doing this if we hadn't done that. You know what I mean? So it's like. Um, I do think that it's, it's kind of like why Peloton would invite people in to their studios for their hundredth rides, right? It's why, you know, that was still, uh, an important part of their business model is like getting people physically together. So I do worry about that. I do wonder about that. I don't have the answer for that right now, but I love that you bring up the idea of outdoor community-based fitness. I would love, 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 love to see more outdoor gyms. More urban plan. I, now, I think COVID-19 is going to accelerate the change in urban planning. I was actually talking to a few friends who are really into that. That's like their hobby is talking about that. And I think it's going to accelerate, you know, accessibility for bike lanes as opposed to cars. I think that we're going to see uh, 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 people are already talking about changing the planning of cities to make it less everyone's commuting into the same place and more of the city is segmented into little pods to where your commute is no longer than, you're never more than 15 minutes away from anything. So a city center, a city might have five city centers as opposed to like one downtown. And I think that change, which, is, which will take years and years, right? That doesn't happen overnight, lends itself to more, you know, common, you know, the, the village green, so to speak, that just happens to have pull-up bars and dip bars and, and uh, and and, uh, and tracks and things like that. If that like that is almost certainly objectively a good thing. If we get more outdoor fitness spaces, I don't see any downside to that personally. Maybe my vision is blurred, um, but that is one thing that, like, if if I can find a way to help push us 
to help push us as communities toward that, then like I will put my weight behind it. Yeah, and, and I think simply just expanding and throwing a roof on is a really like good start for a lot of that already built in like playground with pull-ups and a couple of dip bars, making it a little bit bigger, perhaps making it covered so that you don't unfortunately run the risk of being totally at the mercy of mother nature. Right. And seeing that maybe as a first step, I'm going to ask, not the next question right now, but I'm ask our viewers right now. I know at least one of our viewers is in their 70s. What would need to happen for you to feel comfortable to go back in the gym? Please answer that in the chat right now. And we'll move on to our next question. So, David, where do you think, where will fitness content go next? And we almost maybe touched on some of this, but tell me what you got. I think this actually goes back to what I'll, I'll – I want to continue to answer the outdoor gyms thing, and I promise I'll segue into this question. One thing I love about outdoor gyms, right? They encourage functional movements, right? It's it, you're not going to see giant cable machines with stacks of weights. A, that's that's tough. To, that's a lot of upkeep. Those rust liability issues. What do you see? You see pull-up bars. You see dip bars. You see um, platforms, maybe raised bars to modify a push-up, right? Because not everyone can go into the park doing that. You see you see ways to modify these movements, but you see functional outdoor movements it's not all um at these extremes where you're like locked in and you're just doing bicep curls or you see the power lifters doing 600 pound squats in the corner right it's functional movements that functional compound movements so i like that i think the movement to community-based fitness encourages functional training and not just i'm going to do bicep curls tricep extensions and peace out right which i'm i'm, I'm a fan of exposing more people to to that so that Bodybuilding is not a bad thing, and bodybuilders get a lot out of that. But the, but strength is more than just bodybuilding, which is, I think, a perception that is unfortunately still pervasive in the, in the mainstream. What does that do to fitness content? I think that changes fitness content to be more about, okay, how do I actually learn to move? Not, not okay, I need to go do bicep curls and tricep extensions, and I need to go do flat bench, and that's my upper body day. And how many sets of reps should I do? But I think the content changes to how do I move better? How do I build mastery of these movements, which are ultimately more complex. Because you can sit down and do a bicep curl. And as if, you, if you're doing it for the first time, you're probably doing it like 70% of the way correct. Awesome. If I give you a barbell and tell you to deadlift or to do a bodyweight squat or a pull-up and you've never done one before, it takes a while to learn those movements. And you have to build toward mastery of those movements, of those compound movements. So I actually think this pushes, I think at home and community-based fitness, lends itself more to functional patterns mm -hmm. and functional movements. And I think that fitness content will become more about, okay, how do I build mastery? Not just, okay, give me the sets and reps and I don't want to learn why I'm doing this. I think it encourages a depth of content and a depth of focus and a continued learning that I'm excited to see. And hopefully a barbin that we can contribute to. Yeah, that's an interesting thing. And I, I would share this with, with you guys. Um, instead of myself. So as you know, I'm a physical therapist, but I'm also a strength coach. So when I have my strength coach hat on, I'm not looking exactly. I'm not looking for clients. I'm looking for students. And I think that that same model applies to your, you're not just looking for a viewer or for a reader. You're looking for a student, someone who's following through. And, and I think that that to me leads it to, to two ways as far as where I think fitness content may go next. One, it is almost absurd to me the lack of reasonable assessment 
that mm-hmm. occurs in the fitness and strength community. Um, I, I think I obviously come at it from a different angle. Like I took years to learn how to assess for certain injuries, ranges of motion and muscle group strength. And then that was really what we were released into the wild to do, but almost nothing more. We weren't really taught all that well how to put it together. The fitness world comes at it a little bit differently. And I think it's a lot of like, do this, do that, do this, do that, where it really does matter where your level is at. If if you have a tight big toe, if you have tight ankles, if you have weak hip flexors, if you have hard to lengthen hip flexors, if your right glute and your left glute force production is different, if you don't rotate your trunk to the left all that well, if you can't extend through your middle back, those are really low hanging fruits and things that in my opinion, not necessarily need to be worked on before trying to master your squat, your hinge, your dead, your your lunge, push, pull, locomotion, rotation work. You should be able, you should be concurrently working on those together. You should be almost like pushing ahead and then catching up to it. But the push ahead, I think revolves around those physical impairments, that lack of range of motion and strength. And and I think the FMS lives out there and people use it. And it was just enough to be like bite size and everyone was good. But we are very much, if I, I say this all the time, but like, why guess when you can assess and address? And I think you're going to see more fitness and that's partially behind our eight foundations of movement. Like we took the things, the lowest hanging fruits from everyone. And we're like, took all of our years together. And we're like, what did you see? What did you see? What did you see? What did you see? What screws your guys up? What screws your people up? What screws your, okay. Put it all together. Boom. Make it easy and flowy. And I think you're going to see a lot more of that. I think the other side of it too, as we kind of touched on, like, I think that the, like you're seeing this with the NBA, like the NBA is starting to use the same stuff that I've been getting my patients to buy for the last few years, the aura ring, to look at their HRV, to look at their sleep. I think that you're going to, it's almost going to be strange when an NFL team shows up this, I'm talking 10 years from now, like that, that, that group hasn't been put through some sort of removal and reinstituting diet protocol to find out what, what, what maximizes their digestion. I know it sounds like a crazy thing, but it's like, the, you probably are you seeing more of this? Are you seeing more people talking about microbiome, diet, diet and digestion, but not diet as far as like macros and mass, but like diet through the lens of digestion? You're already seeing it. And I think that I think that a really good example it actually isn't in nice, nice flex, by the way, Steve, way to get the guns on the so on the box. Oh, man, you're looking you're looking vascular. I need to like <laughs> different lighting here. Um, right. uh, one thing one thing that this is an example that is. Um, maybe 15 years ago seemed crazy, but like it's, it's now doesn't seem crazy at all. Uh, Steve Nash, the two time NBA MVP. uh, I don't know if he's already in the hall of fame, soon to be hall of famer. I don't know when exactly he retired. Canada's finest. Let's put it that way. Right. He kept a sleep journal in the NBA 15, 16 years ago. Mm -hmm. And it's like, that seemed kind of kooky at the time. And, and now I bet you cannot find an MVP candidate in any of the major sports, in any of the major team sports in the United States that uh, who doesn't keep 
a, a track of their sleep or or doesn't have someone keeping track of their sleep. I can almost guarantee you that. And so I think that uh, dietary frameworks are similar, measuring your HRV, measuring other measures of recovery and things like that, very similar to that. But that's just one example of like, you know, 15 years ago, that seemed crazy. And now it's like literally every elite athlete at that level is in some way, shape or form tracking their sleep. The other aspects, nutritionally, the other aspects of recovery, they're sure to follow. Yeah. And I, I think that that's, I think it's, that's what you're exactly what you're going to see is like, I think sleep people, you get into bed earlier. You do like, I think that the easy things are already being covered. I do hope that you're going to see more and you see it in the NBA already. They partnered with Headspace, more meditation to improve sleep quality. But again, like, I, I don't think that this is totally caught on. I think a lot of people like paleo is the best keto is the best. But I really do think that an elimination diet, taking out certain foods, perhaps because they were offensive, letting your small intestine heal up, making sure you have a good microbiome, and then reinstituting certain foods, I think you're going to see that scream across the fitness community. And once it catches fire, everyone's going to be like, why didn't we always do that? Like, why didn't, well, like, where, why weren't we doing that? You're, I mean, you're going to see right now, it's like the, the big thing is like uh, you know, a few years ago, it was macro templates for different types of athletes, different body weight goals, like, et cetera, right? Um, now, you know, in, in 10 years, you're going to see, uh, you know, you're going to get some sort of microbiome yeah. sample, right? Or you're going to do, do, there's going to be blood work involved. And, uh, and, and then you're going to get bespoke dietary recommendations based on that, right? You're not even going to be necessarily, you might not even need to do an elimination diet because the testing might be so sophisticated that it just says, <clears throat> do this. You know what I mean? Right now it's like, if I want to lose 10 pounds to, because I'm in a weightlifting competition, but I, I want to have the least possible reduction in performance and strength, there's a dietary framework or dietary frameworks that I can generally follow and I'll follow those templates, right? It's going to get more and more bespoke. Yeah. I'm, ho I'm hoping that they get there because a lot of the blood testing right now doesn't test better than elimination diets. Mm -hmm. yeah. And I wonder when that's going to switch over. And and will it ever like once the MRI came out, it's not like we stopped testing certain things. It was just <laughs> so that's kind of what I assume it's going to look like. It, it'll be data. It'll be part of your picture. I actually think, you know, with the advent of, of better radiological imaging and, and by the way, I'm a little biased. My mother is a radiologist. So um, with the advent of better radiological imaging, radiological, is that the word? We'll, we'll run with it. I actually think that the physical therapy profession profession was able to do more testing to test and retest, right? Because you're able to actually, you're able to like A, B test things a little better. You're able to see maybe there isn't a muscle belly tear, or maybe, maybe it has to do more with your nervous system. Maybe it's a more complex issue because something might not even be showing up on the imaging, but someone's still having pain. That's still legitimate. So maybe we have to test a broader range of things because maybe it isn't your shoulder girdle. Maybe it isn't your front deltoid that actually has a big old tear running down it, right? Maybe it's tightness elsewhere. So we got to test more. It kind of opens this Pandora's box, but some people enjoy the Pandora's box like you and me, and they enjoy nerding out and getting to the bottom of things. Because one thing I love about the physical therapy profession and the way you approach it, Steve, you're a detective. It's you're like a you're like a like a gumshoe, like an old style gumshoe with a microphone. And 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 you know what? You gotta use those soft eyes because you kind of have to see everything at once. If you've ever watched The Wire, they say talk about using soft eyes. Of course. And you gotta you gotta go in with soft eyes because 
you know, if I go and I say, Steve, my shoulder's killing me, you're not just looking at my shoulder. You're looking at my upper back. You're looking at my posture. You're looking at the way I carry myself. You're going to ask, you might even ask me, how do you sleep at night? Like, which position are you sleeping in? You know what I mean? Integrated. Could, it's all, and I agree. It is a double-edged sword. I'll take an anecdote quickly from today. My friend hurt her ankle. She sprained it, high ankle sprain, pretty bad. Um, she ended up getting an MRI today. And it, so, so she, she sprained it eight weeks ago. And what was really good was the information that came back that showed that it had healed more than maybe we had thought that it did. So it gave Great. us a license to be a little bit more aggressive. Thank your mother for stuff like that. It's really <laughs> lower back patient though. Sometimes on the other side, they have a bulging or herniated disc that's been there for years and has nothing to do with their pain, but because they saw it, because they read it, because they Googled it, because they got scared from it, because it gave them emotional reaction. Now they're tied to it. And unfortunately, they also know that I can't do anything about that bulging disc. And when I say it doesn't really matter in your case, we need to get you more mobile and stronger. Sometimes it makes my battle a little more uphill. Yeah. It is. There's pros and cons to it. It's really, really interesting. But that doesn't lead us to our next question, but let's go anyway. Which strength sports are becoming more popular? Which strength sports are becoming less popular? So this is going to sound counterintuitive. CrossFit, I think, is going to become it's, I don't think it's becoming less popular, but although to be fair, I don't want to dive into it too much, but a lot has happened in the CrossFit world the past couple of months, including the company selling, which everyone's like, still boggles my mind. And I've been covering this for a long time. Um, but what you're going to see is CrossFit's not going to be driving the vast majority of the eyeballs like it has. I don't think CrossFit's popularity is going anywhere. I think people still love competitive CrossFit. I think the new owner of CrossFit, Eric Rosa, has emphasize that the CrossFit games and competitive CrossFit is still a very important community and branding element for CrossFit in addition to what the company wants to uh, achieve in healthcare. But I think that we're getting to the point where CrossFit increased the popularity of barbell and strength sports, or at least like it was the one. And now we're seeing the community trickle out to these other sports. And that's kind of a silly answer because like you know that's happening, but not everyone realizes that's happening. Not everyone realizes that that people are finding powerlifting largely through CrossFit. People are finding weightlifting largely through CrossFit. In fact, we have members of, well, to be technically the Olympic team hasn't been announced yet because the Olympics were moved back a year, mm -hmm. but we have members of the U.S. Olympic weightlifting team who are likely going to compete in Tokyo in 2021, mm -hmm. who wouldn't have found the sport if it weren't for CrossFit. A, they found it like literally through CrossFit or B, CrossFit made the equipment more accessible to them and they started training in a CrossFit gym, right? Um, same goes for strongman, Rob Kearney, who's one of the top strongman competitors in the United States, multi-time world's strongest man athlete. He's at world's strongest gay on social media, which is the best social media handle ever. I've done a podcast mm -hmm. with him where we just talk about that. It's amazing. Rob's awesome. He was a CrossFitter and now he's a strongman deadlifting nearly a thousand pounds and log pressing, you know, or just under 500 pounds. He started off as a guy doing kipping pull-ups. Like what? Um, so these these like more like specialized strengths. It doesn't just stop there, right? I mean, I've been really getting interested in, and I'm I'm, I'm not going to like be an authority on this at all because it's I'm just like starting to explore it in kettlebell sport. But I found kettlebell sport because a friend of mine who I met through the CrossFit community is a coach in kettlebell sport, and they were like, they were like, you have some competition kettlebells. Why don't you just like 
start learning some of the structured movements. Why don't you just start learning how to how to get into a real front rack? And I was like, real front rack? And then they're like, no, 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 David, an actual front rack. Um, things like that are going to become more and more popular. And these sports that we see as, you know, 15 years ago, weightlifting would have been obscure. I remember the first time I, I walked into a weightlifting gym right outside of Boston, it was 2009 probably. And uh, the weightlifting gym shortly thereafter shut down and we had to go start training in a garage. Like literally a garage where we had to move out snow plows and move in weightlifting platforms during the winter. Now, weightlifting is, is like, people know about it. People know what the snatch and clean and jerk are, right? So that's already happened. What's the next wave of sports? I think you look to other countries that are gonna be popular in the US. I think you look to other countries. I think you look to kettlebell sport, it's popularity in Russia. It's not like the predominant sport. It's not basketball or soccer in Russia, but they have a storied history in their physical culture of kettlebell sport. And I think that's something you're going to see getting increasingly popular in the United States. Moss wrestling, not quite a combat sport, not quite a strength sport, kind of a cool combo. This hmm. like two-person tug of war over a stick on a platform. I think oh. you're going to see an increase in popularity in moss wrestling in oh. the United States. Um, so I think you're going to continue to see CrossFit's going to remain popular. Powerlifting, weightlifting, strongman are going to creep up. And I think things like that are that tier three right now in the mm -hmm. United States that most people probably still don't know about. Kettlebell sport, moss wrestling, things like that they're going to start creeping up as well. Maybe even arm wrestling, actually. That's what I'm prepping for right now. So that's really interesting. So yes, CrossFit, I get asked this question all the time. And I think I can give a very spherical answer to it without <laughs> pissing too many people off. Um, have I had two people in my clinic who did not know each other whatsoever go to high five each other and be like, Hey, what's up, dude? How you doing? And they like, couldn't I high five each other? Cause they both had Jack shoulders. How did they know each other from CrossFit really happened? So it just, you know, maybe that happens a little bit more frequently. I don't know. I've actually seen some research that said, I think I saw some research that was like neutral on the topic. Like we don't have more injuries. And then it was like, actually we kind of do have a couple more injuries um, in certain places, but it's not like as rampant as you might think whatever like an analysis of athletes and injuries compared to other sports either way one like if you told me that i was going to have to have a total hip replacement or i was going to have to be on diabetes medications for the rest of my life i would take the total hip um and i think that that's it's a lot healthier to be honest with you like is there a chance that people maybe are going to burn out their bodies a little bit more because of the popularity of CrossFit, but are going to avoid more serious health problems? And is that possible? I, I would push back a little bit on, on sure, that. Please because please. I, I do think it's a misconception. I think we have this, con there's this like misconception, or I think there's this like the stereotype that CrossFitters have jacked up shoulders. And, and, <laughs> and look, I'm not gonna criticize what you see in your practice is what That's you see it. in your practice, right? Someone comes to you and they're like, I was doing this and I heard this and, and that that is that is what you observe. It's not what I observe. Yeah. I'm not a physical therapist. Um, but I I think that we have this stereotype of there's this negative stereotype of like, oh, go crossers always have jacked up shoulders. But I I I wonder what is that, what are those numbers truly, those numbers objectively compared to the number of people who were doing who the only movement, pressing movement they've ever done with a Smith machine bench press, oh. right? You know, what does their shoulder mobility look like? And what does their shoulder health look like? You know, I, I, I think we have the stereotype because we CrossFit's gotten so many people active. Mm -hmm. And I think in our industry, we see like the elite level athletes who, who honestly just are training at such high volume, like things tend to crop up. Um, 
but I think you see that in every sport, right? Like even LeBron James, he was a robot for years and he actually got injured last season, right? And it's like, well, you put enough miles on your body, like something might happen. Sure. Um, if, you know, Michael Jordan apparently never got injured. Whatever. Like he's the he's the exception. That's why he's yeah. the coach. But like Tom Brady got injured. Everyone gets injured yeah. at some point, uh, especially in contact sports. So is it maybe not everyone gets injured, but like that stereotype of CrossFit injures people. I, I actually, I don't know about that. I think there might be a level of selection bias mm -hmm. there <clears throat> because I think there are a lot of people working out. There are a lot of people doing CrossFit and yes, with any physical activity, you have a risk of, of injury, impairment, things like that. Some of that is on the user. Like I had, I had a wrist surgery. You can see the scar right here years ago. Oh, right. reconstruction because I was being really stupid about how I did deadlifts. I was hook gripping all my deadlifts up to 500 plus pounds. Like CrossFit didn't make me do that. Right. 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 Like CrossFit didn't make me want to like feel macho and hook grip deadlifts when I shouldn't have been doing them at that weight with that form. Um, <clears throat> so yeah, I, I just want to push back and I, I want to say that like we have more people training and we have more people fit and we have more people doing movements and lifting weights, which is great. And I think that might reduce it rate of certain injuries and um, especially like metabolic conditions. But yeah. at the same time, I think there might be just like a little bit of a selection bias and a little bit of a negative perception that that's because of CrossFit. Yeah. Well, I think, I think it's almost, and this is a compliment. I it's for a lot of people who are athletes when they were younger, it's really nice to be back in and have a coach tell you what to do. It's almost an intoxicating feeling for me. Like when I went to my first cross, CrossFit class, I was like, oh man, like, it was like, hello, old friend. Like, I missed you. I, like, I love this. This is like, this is the most, this ties an emotional reaction to one of the best parts of my life, mm -hmm. my entire life. It's like that feeling of community, which is what I was going to tie it back to eventually like that sense of community that sense of competition and the ability to focus on something and kind of zone out because you're being told what what to do though you need to be mindful obviously with right. your exercise etc and and i think that it's almost that intoxication that can cause some of the over overuse injuries right going to doing the 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 lack of slow cooking your fitness which is something that we're very much a proponent of is like slow cook that shit slow cook your fitness it, it, the, the the opposite is when it's so much fun that you just want to keep going let's put it this way if you're really a fan of powerlifting and you want to be a great powerlifter and you haven't been training in powerlifting very long but you want to be a champion and you want to train like this powerlifter you saw on Instagram. So you go into the gym without the proper prerequisites and you put 700 pounds on the bar and you walk it out and you try back squat. You're going to have a bad time. Similarly, if you watch Tia Claire Toomey doing what she does and you've never trained a day in your life and you're like, I want to do what she does. So I'm going to do her workouts at her weights. Mm -hmm. You might have a bad time. Yeah. Start off, you know, like totally. you might have a little bit of a bad time if you were like, I love football. So I'm going to go try and tackle <laughs> someone running full speed, having never done it or trained for it before. Yeah. 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 You might have a bad time. Right? <laughs> like you're not JJ Watt. No, yet. no, I'm not. Um, so again, I, I, not to push, not to push back. Not no, to what you're saying. I just think that like, with any sport, there's a level of like, okay, set realistic expectations for yourself. It's okay to look up to people, yeah. but understand that 
it takes a lot to get there. Yeah. And so, and some people may never get there, honestly. Like, I'll never dunk like LeBron James, you know, no matter how much I train for it. And we know that. We accept that with, with established sports, but younger sports, yeah. we haven't quite accepted it yet. That's not to say don't limit yourself because you might be the next great thing in your sport, right? But understand and respect that there's a level of training and expertise and mastery you have to build to. And just because CrossFit hasn't been around for 40 years competitively doesn't mean that the people at the top still haven't spent years and years and years and worked with so many coaches and not only increased their capacity and strength, but increased their knowledge along the way. So no, you are not going to walk in the gym and two months later come out moving like Tia Claire to me. You're just not, it's just not going to happen. And then what do, what are you seeing? Cause you have your ear to the streets big time. What are you seeing that's starting to morph in the CrossFit community that's that's working on creating that balance and communicating that message a little bit better. I, I, I it's nice to hear you say it, and I, I I'm just curious what what are you hearing? Well, I, I think that you're gonna see you see CrossFit itself putting out different types of content these days. I think that um, you're seeing a little bit. I, I actually think CrossFit has always been very much pro scaling movements and finding what works for you. And I, I think that you hear horror stories of like. Oh, I walked into a CrossFit gym and they made me do a hundred pull-ups. I'd never done a pull before. Like, I actually don't think that really happens that much. And also one CrossFit gym is different than the next. They're not owned by CrossFit. Like that's, you know what I mean? No one has a uniform experience and like your experience experiences will vary because CrossFit is not a franchise model. And like CrossFit itself is not responsible for a, a trainer telling you a dumb thing. It's just not the case. Um, and I think people like were ignoring the fact that for a long time, CrossFit was like really putting out a lot of good content on how to scale movements and how to find the workouts for you. And we saw like, a couple of years ago, I and mean, CrossFit got a lot of flack for this, but I actually kind of dug it. Suddenly you weren't seeing CrossFit Games athletes as like the movement models on the CrossFit homepage. You were seeing elderly people in like a home studio setting. They set up, it looked like Archie Bunker's living room. And like they had people in age 60 plus, like lifting water jugs, not doing 500 pound deadlifts, but like lifting water jugs and squatting to a chair. And that was like a recommended scale for the day's workout. It might be back squats for the day's workouts, but like a recommended scale was chair squats. Yeah. Awesome. And it's like, I do think that CrossFit's actually been putting out that I don't want, like, I have my criticisms. I don't want to get too much into this, but I just think that the content has been available about how to scale workouts and find what works for you. Mm -hmm. I think that especially in America, we have this mindset of <laughs> not wanting to become, like we were talking about earlier, students of physical culture. Part of the learning is about learning where you're at and learning, if I walk into a gym and I see an experienced athlete clean and jerking 315 pounds and then getting up and doing 20 unbroken muscle ups on the rings, I don't know if I'm there or not if I've never tried those things, right? Part of being a student of physical culture is understanding what you need to progress and understand that it's about improving yourself. So you need to learn how to establish your own benchmarks, your own signposts, and then gradually work to improve those and understand it's not always linear or exponential progress, or, or and definitely not exponential progress all the time. So I do think the content was out there. I think organizations like CrossFit, organizations like Barbet have been putting that content out there for a while. It just sometimes our egos get in the way of us being able to be like, hey, maybe ring muscle ups aren't what I should be doing today. Totally fair and reasonable. My next question is how will online sports coverage change mm. in the next decade? 
Well, I was going to say you're going to see it in strength sports, but I actually think you're going to see it in all the sport in all sports. You're going to see more remote and online competitions. Now, that's not to say <clears throat> like the NFL wants to come back and play in person. The MLB season's already started, although mm-hmm. it looks different. It's very adapted. People are wearing masks. They're not sitting in the dugout. They're sitting in the stands. Mm-hmm. But I think that you're going to see shorter seasons. I think you're going to see more socially distanced fan bases. And because of that, you're going to see uh, things that are just little slices of the sport to supplement the fact that you might not have as many games and you might not have a full length season. The MLB might not play, you know, what is it, 160, 160 games, 162 yeah. games in a year. They might, they're not playing it this year. I don't even know if they'll be able to play 162 games next year. I don't know. So what are you going to see? Well, you're probably going to see them do things that we think are gimmicks now, but might become integral parts of the sport, like skill testing, like more home run derbies, oh. more. More things that you'll see at like the All Star Games, right? Like skill. Uh, uh, there was already a three. There was like a horse. Con- the NBA held a horse competition with current NBA players, veterans, and WNBA greats as well. Like it, it, was, it was a little like I didn't really enjoy watching it, uh, but like you know, the next iteration of that will probably be a lot better. Mm-hmm. So I think you're actually going to see more things that are like little parts of those sports to supplement a full year calendar. And I actually don't think that's going to go away because I think that. <laughs> these sports leagues are going to create more and more content. So they might get back to their full length season, but then you're still going to see like, it's, you know, the monthly three point shootout for the NBA. That might be just like the five best three point shooters in, in, you know, in one TV studio with a basketball hoop, right? Um, In strength sports, we've already seen virtual competitions. The 2020 Pan American cup, which we wrote about on Barbend uh, this past week happened completely virtually. And it was an international weightlifting competition with judges from around the world that happened completely virtually. Maddie Sasser, who was the only USA lifter who competed, lifted with a mask. Whoa. She did pretty well. She's a 2016 Olympian. She uh, uh, she was uh, an Olympian for um, the Marshall Islands, I believe. Now she's, she's uh, lifting for Team USA. Lifted with a mask on because that's the times we live in. And she wanted to follow the protocol as required in her local gym. Awesome for her. Wow. So you're going to see more things like that. Um, I think you're going to see. Oh, and it was a different format too. It wasn't. It wasn't the traditional cadence of a weightlifting competition. It's every lifter went in went in order. So it was. Like, it was a slightly different cadence. It wasn't like the three attempts and you have jockeying for position and like, you know, two minutes on the clock, one minute on the. It wasn't like the same cadence. It was just like a kind of a more of a not a round. I guess a round robin. Mm-hmm. Uh, you're going to see more things like that. You're going to see people play with the formats of sports and take those little slices of sports that are fan favorites and make those into events in and of themselves. I like that. And almost where my mind went is I, I hope that they can create a little bit more community feel. Like how much more fun would it be if we're doing a home run derby, if we have a little leaguer and we have a high school kid and we have one of the best college and then we have our double A, our triple A and our major. And, and they're kind of just sharing like – promoting again i guess i guess that this shows me and it's not like intended i'm talking about this so much but like that sense of community is so important i think to so many people and having it removed i think we're seeing how and where we can get it and when we can get it and in realizing that that is one of our priorities it's one of our values um just as human beings, just as like living beings that it's somewhere, even though we maybe want to repress it or whatever it is, like it's somewhere in there and it's an itch that needs to be scratched. And I think it can be done and, and it, it, it can probably, this is probably going to force us to do it better 
and differently. Yeah. So we'll see. How will the business of fitness change in the next five years? I'm very curious about this one. At-home fitness yeah. is going to be big and it's it's we're already seeing it, right? I think that like we've already seen have you tried to buy fitness equipment in the past four months, Steve? Yeah, I'm lucky that I like have a home, but I did get a new kettlebell, which I know makes me seem like I like you're like a and the only person that got one. Like king, I know King of the Castle. King of the Castle. Yeah, yeah. Like Kettlebell Kings got their new shipment, like a new shipment in it, and it was gone within a day, I think. Yeah. It, we are going to see a very we're gonna see movements to toward people buying some fitness equipment at home. We're going to see movements toward people doing more virtual group fitness or more virtual one-on-one -on -one training. Um, and I think we're going to see a model to where people are who are, who are really interested in the training are training at home 80% of the time, training in person 20% of the time. Mm. I think it's a little bit like I was saying with Peloton earlier, how like you, you go in to do your hundredth ride in person. I think we're going to see people are, <clears throat> it's almost kind of like seeing a PT. Mm -hmm. I know how you operate your, you see people and you give them homework. Like 80% yeah. of the work they're not doing in your studio. They're not doing with you present. Like, let's be honest. You know what I mean? Because like, this is stuff you need to do every day. And that's one thing that when I, when people are like, I'm not a physical therapist, but people still come to me and they're like, oh, my shoulder hurts. And like, I went to the PT and it's not better. I'm like, well, did you do what they told you to do <laughs> yeah. throughout the week? And they're like, no. I'm like, yeah. yeah. Okay, sorry if you, I mean, you can't learn, you don't learn Spanish by sitting in a classroom for an hour a week and that's it. Like you had to practice every day, you know what I mean? Um, and I think you're going to see fitness being that. I think, I think you're going to see a lot more people who still want that sense of community. They still want those in-person touch points. But I think that's going to be like, okay, I go in or I'm working in person to get, to like check my form and to get like prescribed mm -hmm. my homework. And then I'm doing the fitness at home and basically my I'm going in for my assessments. My assessments are in person or via Zoom or something like that yeah. with a coach. So I do think it's going to be a lot more people are going to be looking for content resources. They're going to be having to self-coach. And I, I do think that people are still going to look for personal training. I think they're going to still look for group fitness, but it's going to be more of that like probably 80. I don't know what the percentage is, but I think a lot of people are going to do their base, a lot of like the base level of their activity on their own. <clears throat> learn how to self-coach or self-regulate to some extent. And then they're going to look for supplementary guidance or more in-depth guidance or training a smaller percentage of the time. Now, that sounds like a death knell for the personal training industry. I'm not sure it is because what, hap what, what would happen if, okay, that becomes more of the norm, but instead of 20% of the population seeking out personal training, it's 60% of the population. I'm just pulling those numbers out of nowhere, right? Yeah. What, 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 what if the norm is like, hey, I have this trainer and I work with him once a week and then he gives me homework and I just do the workouts at home and it costs a little bit less than if I were seeing him every day or like five times a week, it actually costs a lot less, but I'm still making great progress and I can just like do it in my apartment and it's great. Um, are we gonna see more and more people move to that and a larger percentage of the population move toward that? I sure hope so. I, I don't know if it's going to happen um, just because that community aspect is what gets so many people hooked. Mm -hmm. But maybe if taking that first step isn't as intimidating as walking into a CrossFit gym, it's signing up for an online functional fitness class. 
maybe it makes the barrier to entry a little less intimidating. So what I'm saying is, this is I, I gave you this question to ask me, and I'm giving a politician's answer. So what I'm saying is it could go both ways. <laughs> I'm choosing to take an optimistic stance and say the barrier to entry, the intimidation level is going to be lowered, the cost level is going to be lowered, and maybe that gets a broader range of people involved. And where the gaps get filled in is content resources like Barbens, like the content you put out, allowing people to become students of their own physical culture. Yeah, and, and I'm going to ask this question um, actually to the group who's out there. But what what there was probably a time in your life when you did work out, and now hopefully there's a time where you are working out. So where you didn't work out and where you are, what were your barriers to entry? Like, was it not wanting to look stupider than Jim? Hadn't had a positive experience with movement? Had gotten hurt? Only the jocks work out, and jocks are dumb. Like, what's the what was that? If you get a sec, throw that in the in the chat. But I'm curious about that because I think to answer the question of almost like where should it go next? Because it, it's undeniable now. I mean, it needs to end up getting more people need to be more physically fit. And I'm not saying this is an aesthetics thing. This is just a, this needs to occur for the health and wellness. Uh, like you said healthcare before talking about your magazine and the role that you play and you're totally right. Like me 10 years ago would have been like, oh, we're healthcare, they're working out. No, it's one in the same. Health includes movement, health includes activity, health includes strength and getting more people in and I think you're right. I think if it is, if you meet people where they're at, perhaps you have a better chance of getting that going on. Now, wildcard question. What are you most proud of in your life? You've done a lot of things and I want to hear your answer to this. Think about everything. I'm talking like day zero to day today. What are you most proud of? Day zero. I probably wasn't having a great time on day, on day zero. I don't think anyone is. You ever, you ever meet a, a, a one day old, they're not too happy about anything. Um, fantastic! That's such a wild card. Oh my god, I'm gonna piss off so many people. My mom's oh, yeah. gonna be like, "Why didn't she say this?" My mom probably wants to re me to reference my Eagle Scout project. Okay, um, talk about it. You all right? I'm gonna give but, you. But, but I won't. I won't. I won't. I did what do are the Scout three project? things that you're most private. I'm gonna plug in my laptop while you ponder on this. Oh my goodness. Okay, yep. uh, three things I'm most proud of. Uh, can I still answer while you're plugging in your laptop? Of course you can. All right. Definitely uh, the team we've built at Barbend. I'm super proud that we've been able to get together a group of people so interested in, in pursuing careers in, stre in strength sports content because those opportunities <laughs> just like don't like who, who's like, oh, I'm going to I'm going to build my career around strength sports content and coverage. It's so niche. Um, and, but we've built such a great team and they really care about it. And I'm incredibly proud that I've been able to convince people to do that, uh, which is super, which is super cool. Um, that's definitely the thing I'm like probably most, most yeah. proud of. Um, I also think that, I don't know, it's, it's very, ref it's very reflective. My, my birthday's coming up and I always, everyone always reflects on their birthday. Right. Yeah. And, um, Barben's been really lucky to win a lot of accolades. We've gotten a lot of recognition. Um, I was fortunate enough to be on Forbes's 30 under 30 list two years ago, which was really cool. Very. And, cool. and I actually take a lot of pride of that because of out of that because it actually shows that like people were paying attention to something that 
we were doing this like weird little publication that was doing something in a weird little like slice of, we're not even we're not even fitness we're like more subcategorized than fitness you know what i mean and that was cool to me that people were that a publication like that and the judges for that cared enough because it wasn't a reflection on me it's a reflection on barbent yeah right like there are literally people on that list you know curing cancer they're on a different list i was on the media list like no one on the media list is curing cancer but like like oh like we're we're doing something that's noteworthy and our because our readership is noteworthy and because our team is noteworthy and so that brings me a lot of pride and i think that's that's again much more a reflection of on barbed than anything i did uh because if i was just a dude with a blog no one would care you know it takes a team it takes a multi-talented team um and then i, I guess something i'm also um you know, I'm, I'm also pretty, pretty proud of is that uh, <clears throat> this is unrelated to my professional life. But one of the reasons I always wanted to live in New York City and I, I wanted to I grew up in Kentucky. I went to boarding school in Tennessee and I wanted to live in New York City for as long as I could remember and because I wanted to build a really diverse friend group and I wanted to meet people from all walks of life. And being able to do that, like I've accomplished that in New York City, like that life's goal. And I did that like. I thought I'd be 80 years old before I had this like cool eclectic group of friends from all these different walks of life. And it happened really quickly in New York because that's the magic of this city. And this is a time to reflect on that because New York's gone through such a rough time due to COVID-19. Um, and I hope that people don't forget that New York is a really cool, magical place. And I take a lot of pride in the fact that I've been able to build that social network and that social group and that diverse social, those diverse social connections in New York City. And I hope that people understand that like that's going to come back and you're going to be able to do that again in a city like this. Um, and I take a lot of pride in, in, in that. I take a lot of pride in my friends. Yeah, it is nice that that, that <coughs> it is going to, cause I, I also, I know you said you just went back into the office before we came on it. I've been now back in two weeks and just seeing the, the, just New York city, like just everyone all together is we're so lucky. So my father's from Kansas. My mother was born in Brooklyn, but raised in New Jersey in the same house that I was born in or, you know, grew up in. And yeah, it is something that doesn't particularly occur in a lot of places. Like New York is really special. I've never lived in any other international cities. Maybe you had, like maybe Rome feels the same way. Maybe Barcelona, maybe Tokyo does. I, I don't know. But I know that New York, and I, I'm in Queens, like in, at, in an apartment building in Queens, and I, I'm going to leave it with this, walking down and up the stairs in an apartment building in Queens is the most multicultural, olfactory, blissful walk you can possibly have. Like every single floor that you hit, you get a different, authentic, amazing smell that hits you. And you're just like, this is so freaking cool. So I have those same moments. And even during the pandemic, you were like, Man, I still got this because I still got to do laundry down in the basement. So pretty interesting. Hey, let's jump into some questions. Nothing too crazy here. David, how will gyms have to change to keep having value? Great question from Teresa. Thank you. Teresa, that's a fantastic question. And if I had the answer to that, um, I unfortunately would not have had the time to be on this podcast tonight. I'd be off making a trillion dollars. No, I'm kidding. Um, <clears throat> gyms are going to have to offer services. We talked about like that, that people considering wellness in the 24 hours of the day. It's something I know it's really important to Steve. Um, 
gyms aren't going to be able to serve people just for that one hour a day because I don't think people are going to be showing up for that one hour a day every day as much as they used to. Now, maybe we'll get back to a sense of that and there will be a, a group that, that does. Mm -hmm. I don't think you're going to see, you're going to see the expectation is like, oh, I go to the gym once a week or twice a week and I do a lot of it at home or I do a lot of it outdoors or with a friend or like I find alternative spaces at least for a while. And even if that is for a while, then that has a, then that has a trickle down effect longer mm -hmm. term. So how are gyms offering services long term? You sign up for, uh, you sign up for uh, your local gym. Are they giving you workouts you can do at home? Are they loaning you equipment? Are you, are you leasing equipment from them? Maybe you are, right? Are they providing PT services, nutritional coaching? So I think you're going to see <clears throat> gyms move more toward like, are they offering a full suite of wellness? That's what I think is going to have to happen. And maybe that's, maybe that's services they're outsourcing. So maybe it's ask X gym partners with X nutritional coaching and, mm -hmm. and X equipment company to lease equipment for people at home. So you're yeah. going to see more full stack stuff. I, I think that that's cool. And I think that that was uh, Gotham gym where I'm at. Obviously that was kind of the first question with like, I, I'm talking to the owner and he's like, all right, like, what do we do? Like, we don't want our members to cancel. We need to give them some sort of value. So having some members only workouts, having some classes that are online that are just for members only having some sort of like teaching instructive stuff, that sort of stuff was kind of where it quickly went. And I think you saw some other gyms that were like, Hey, you want the 55 pound kettlebell? Come on in and grab it and we'll make sure that you're using it. Like we're going to guide you through it. Um, I, I think that you're, you're, I, I guess it, it lends itself to the question is like, okay, when do we think there's going to be a vaccine? Then how effective do we think that that is going to be? And everyone hopes it's just hundred percent. All right. See you later. It's in the rear view, but you have to kind of look at it spherically. Like maybe, maybe it, that won't be exactly how it goes. Right. And then if it does go like that in yours and my lifetime, a gun to my head right now, is there going to be another pandemic that occurs? I would have to say yes. So this is something that needs to be, I think the person, and, and this is uh it's actually using my brother's, story which is i think have you ever heard of the i don't even know if this is a real thing he may have just come up with it the avalanche phenomenon david have you ever heard of that please enlighten me yeah so michael harper um long duty business development straight up gangster pearls of wisdom so the avalanche phenomenon is the people who survive avalanches are the people that realize that they're in an avalanche the quickest the mm. people who are like that's not an avalanche there's no way that's an avalanche. Like, I know it's coming at us, but like, no, it's going to stop. And the people are like, yo, that's an avalanche. I am out of here. They're the people that survive avalanches. The other people don't. And I think that, that applies in these scenarios by realizing what situation you're in quickly and then moving fast on it. So we'll see what happens. David, is there any closing thoughts that you want to give us? And also, please tell people where they can find you, where they can find Barabend. Like, where do you want people to look for all that good information that you're giving them? Thank you for giving me the opportunity to, to give those plugs, Steve. I appreciate it. First off, barbend.com, B-A-R-B-E-N-D. We're at Barbend or Barbend News on most social media platforms and also the Barbend podcast hosted by yours truly. <coughs> hosted by yours truly. Sorry, I stuttered there. Uh, we do have some guest hosts from time to time. And then uh, wherever fine podcasts are found. And then personally, I'm at David Thomas Tao on Instagram and at D underscore Tao on Twitter. My closing thoughts are um, 
that there's a lot of unpredictability in the fitness industry moving forward, but there are a few truths. And the true, some truths that I hold near and dear are that there are different levels of commitment in fitness, and that's okay. It's a different factor in different people's lives. At the same time, I think we are moving to a more integrated, holistic, uh, I'm winking. If you're only listening to this, you're not watching the video. I'm winking <laughs> heavily at Steve right now. And I'm flexing. For no uh, <laughs> uh, more of an integrated and holistic approach to wellness. And I think that no matter who you are, that will impact how health and fitness is a part of your life. And that's actually going to trickle down into not only the content you're reading, but the purchasing decisions you're making at the grocery store, at for fitness equipment, at the local gym. It's going to impact our lives outside of that one hour a day that people tend to associate with the gym. So get ready for that. And I, I think that actually um, gives people a lot more choice and gives people a lot more fun because like for some people, the traditional go in, do some upper body movement, get on the treadmill, the next day do lower body movement, get on the elliptical or something. I never enjoyed that as much as I do training for strength sport and doing like more functional movements. Everyone has something different, but it's gonna give people I think more opportunity to find what they truly love. And as soon as you find something that you enjoy training for, you're not worried about just the end goal. You're not worried about, oh, I wanna look better by the pool, I wanna do this. But you actually enjoy the training. That's where you're gonna get a lot of benefit. And that's where you're gonna find a lifelong passion and pursuit. Yeah, and, and, and I'll sum it up with this too. And I think that that's really nice is, I don't think I've ever had such a diversified training regimen. I showed you the books like, I have my yoga book that I'm doing. I'm doing yoga two or three times a week. MMA conditioning, applying those principles. I'm running, I'm doing kettlebell work. The only thing I'm not doing is surfing, which is something that I, I just haven't had time to do, which totally is like bananas with all this. But yeah, finding that. And then just even if I only have 10 minutes, just throwing on three good songs and just dancing like no one's watching. And I think that those are all in the world of health and fitness, but things that I didn't necessarily have time to do and probably maybe you didn't have time to do and maybe the people listening didn't have time to do and you're finding that there's more ways that you can live this healthy and well life and that's really nice. So I wanna thank you so much. I wanna thank our audience who's here. I wanna thank Teresa for answering all of our questions. You did great. And we will see you next time on Fireside 5. David Tao, thank you so much and have a great day, everyone. Thanks for having me, Steve.